Hello, everyone. My name is Robin Robertson, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast, Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. Thank you for joining me today. I'm always grateful to everyone that tunes in no matter what time, and all of you that send in messages, comments, direct direct messages, emails, phone calls, text messages, uh, who engages in our discussions on social media, who joins us on our clubhouse rooms and clubs, everyone who has been part of this journey, I want to thank you. Also to everyone that's taken their time out to leave a review, it's greatly appreciated and it really helps the show immensely. And I appreciate you for doing that. Thank you so much. As well to all of our Patreons, on, to all of our patrons on Patreon, <laughs> thank you for supporting the show in that way and helping us to grow. Your support has been extremely valuable, so thank you. And today I would like to give a shout out to a patron. Thank you, Jennifer Fitzer, for supporting the show through Patreon. And I know you have reached out uh, through social media and messages as well. Thank you. We are so happy you're here and we're happy that um, you're a patron. If you are not a patron but are interested in becoming one, you can go to patreon.com slash honey, I'm homeschooling the kids. And you can join from there. You have a direct line to me to comment and message, as well as enjoy any early releases of the episodes that air, downloads that I've provided, and I will be providing more as well on the download side, and the recordings to our monthly Q&A, unschooling Q&A. So once those are done, I try my best to upload them within the next uh, few days that that we uh, have host the live. Another place that I've been having a lot of fun and getting a chance to engage with some wonderful homeschoolers and unschoolers and parents that are just are new and that want to learn more is on Clubhouse. So I have created a club. The club is called Honey, I'm Homeschooling. It would be Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, but there's only so many characters I could put in. So the club is called Honey, I'm Homeschooling. You can search for that in clubs and join our club, follow our club. And through that club, I also host weekly rooms. So every Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Mountain Time, which would actually be 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, I host a club and clubhouse, either on my own or usually I have a co-host, a different co-host each week talking about topics that support homeschooling, unschooling, or alternative education. We've had some fantastic discussions in those rooms and clubs, and it's well worth joining and being a part of. If you're not on Clubhouse and you're interested in joining, uh, you can just text message me or DM me, send me an email, and I am happy to share an invite. I want to grow the club with more homeschoolers and unschoolers, and I definitely want to get my listeners to have a chance to get, to get on there as well. So I was saying Tuesday afternoons, I host a room in my club, and Saturday mornings, I also host a room. The room on Saturday mornings is on unschooling and unschooling, but the foundation of the room is the foundation of our values, which is connection. Everything is based through connection and relationships. So the topics on the Saturday mornings always revolve around that. And that Saturday morning club is at 8 a.m. Mountain Time, which would be 10 a.m. Eastern Time. 
7 a.m. Pacific time. So that is on Clubhouse through Honey, I'm Homeschooling. And the Saturday morning room, I actually co-host regularly with another person. And that other person is my guest today on the podcast, Leanna Francisco. And Leanna and I connected through Clubhouse. That's how we first met each other. And we were immediately, I don't know, drawn to each other, connected. We, we had so many similarities and, and things that we both believed in. And Leanna is a grown unschooler. And whenever she spoke, I you know, I really appreciated what she had to say. Uh, it was always so clear and with so much thought and with such great experience. So Leanna Francisco is the best person to answer that question, but how do those unschoolers really turn out? How can a person be a true functioning citizen in the world if they've never experienced the real world of school or exams and school timetables and structure? that most of the other kids grow up in. Well, Liana is a living example of someone, well, Liana and her siblings, they grew up unschooling and Liana functions just fine. She actually functions extremely well. And I love talking to her about her experiences and how she sees a correlation between growing up unschooling and with how she views and lives life today as a parent as a person in this world, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. Liana is unschooled and with no math classes, you know, no school structure. She followed her interests and passions and she had no trouble doing the things in life she wanted to do. She had no trouble attending university, getting her degree, getting her master's degree, working uh, in, in corporate and public work, no problem starting a business and running a business and just living a good life. So I know you'll love this interview. I love chatting with Liana. And if you've already heard her on Clubhouse, this will give you a chance to get to know a little bit more about her and her unschooling history. So enjoy this episode. So today I have Liana Francisco joining me on the show. Liana, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So Liana, I asked Liana to come on the show. We had, I guess we should say the fortune. I don't know. We connected through Clubhouse and I started to learn more about Liana there. And she's a wonderful addition to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. I'm excited about this episode because I know she's going to bring great value to the listeners. Liana is a grown home unschooler and now unschooling mom. She is a serial entrepreneur and coach who helps other moms make plant-based eating easy with a system. Continuing the unschooling trend, Liana's path has been unconventional. Liana earned a BA in classical singing and a Master of Public Administration. She spent over 12 years as a government consultant and management executive. After becoming deeply ill with Lyme disease, Liana changed her life trajectory and started on a path to help others live intentionally. She had an amazing journey as a vegan deli owner and now runs a wholesale vegan food business, coaches moms to make plant-based eating easy, and just launched a YouTube channel to share how she hacks homemaking for more freedom and an organized family. Liana lives in Olympia, Washington with her husband and teenage sweetheart, Jonathan, and their four-year-old son. Welcome. I'm so glad to be here. This is a really, really fun interview. I've enjoyed getting to know you so much over the last few weeks, and I'm excited for our conversation today. 
Yeah, me too. I really am. And it's funny actually, because reading your bio, I know you had sent it to me earlier and there's still some things I'm like, wow, I didn't know that about you. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I do have a hard time when I'm doing these interviews because I have had this eclectic little life, you know, so it's hard to know, well, what do I focus on? What do I tell you about? I know, I know. We'll try and get as much in as we can, but I know it's one of those things because your life has been so eclectic. I don't think we could ever really get the full breadth of it in an episode, but we'll try and do our best. (laughs) That sounds great. (laughs) But that's a good thing. I think that's what's beautiful about you. So, okay. So each family in person that joins me on this podcast has a unique learning journey that I'm always excited to learn more about myself and to share with listeners. And usually this learning is based on a framework of beliefs and values around learning and self-expression, whether that they have themselves, that their family as a whole has, or in a family that they grew up in. So for you, Liana, you are a grown unschooler. You grew up unschooling, and now you're an unschooling parent. Could you maybe Go, we'll rewind a bit and tell us a bit about growing up. Why did your family, why did your parents choose to unschool? Were they unschoolers themselves? That is such a good question. No, my parents definitely were not. Um, so I'm 38. I just turned 38 this week. And my um, parents are you know, pretty young. They're in their early and mid-60s still. Um, and they, they had you know, unique, (laughs) maybe challenging experiences in the educational system themselves as students. And they were just really inspired to try something different. Um, My mom grew up in Southern California in schools that, um, you know, were underprivileged and there wasn't a lot of learning always going along, a lot more surviving occurring. And she knew that she could do better (laughs) helping us than um, her schooling experience had been. And then my dad also, he had grown up again in Southern California, but in different school districts. And he, um, he was actually kind of considered a gifted student and, but yet always struggled in school because he didn't learn in the conventional ways that the other students learned. So they both had sort of these, you know, not non-ideal schooling experiences. So when it came time to start schooling their children, they were excited to try something different. And um, my older brother, he's 40. And when my mom was first um, thinking about sending him to kindergarten, my parents actually were going to send him to school. They were just going to find a really great school. So they worked really hard to find something they felt good about. But when the day came to send him, my mom just felt like he was still little and she was home anyways with me and my little brother. And so she thought, oh, well, I can teach him to read. I can teach him his, you know, numbers. He can stay home for for a year. That'll be fine. And during that time frame, she just started learning more and more, started reading John Holt books, and um, really got into this understanding that maybe things could be done differently. And my parents actually always had this thought of almost like one year at a time, or for this phase of our of my children's lives, we're going to be homeschooled and unschooled. But all the growing up, it was... I never had this thought that I would never go to school or that school would never be in our lives. It was just not what we were doing right then. And so we just found our way to end up being lifelong family unschoolers. That's actually really beautiful. I I like how your parents really took it day by day, year by year. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a definite, we're we're going to be doing this for this long or we'll always be doing it. They just, seems like they really just went with the flow of what was right for your family in the moment. 
They did, and they certainly got more committed to it over time as they learned more and as the movement grew stronger as well. They were very involved in um, the Washington Homeschool Organization as we got older. So, you know, there was a pretty high level of commitment to knowing this was our path, but it was always okay for it to be a hybrid approach. My older brother in particular did a lot of things in the public school system as a middle school and high schooler because he was a musician, and that just made sense for him to do that. Um, we did. We lived in a small town for some of my childhood, and we would participate in, you know, the school plays and things like that so that we could have those outlets. Um, so we were never anti-school. It was always just what's working best for us right now. Right, right, right. I like that. So was there a very big unschooling community around you when you were growing up? Were they more traditional homeschoolers or were just there was not very big numbers of either? So there, there weren't very big numbers of either, but certainly um, unschooling was not common. There was, I would describe one other family that we were very close with. In fact, I think it was a huge ability for my mom to keep homeschooling and unschooling when we were small was that there was another family that we found that was also unschooling and they had three boys that were really similar to our ages. And the two moms spent a lot of time in collaboration together. We were either at their house or our house with all the kids together. And it made um, life a lot easier for everybody. We had our little group and um, and it made some sanity for the moms a little bit as well. Um, but unschooling was extremely unpopular at the time. Even homeschooling was still very new. This was in the mid 80s that she started homeschooling. And um, in Washington State, it had only been legal since 1982. So it was um, early in the years and even like the clerks at the grocery store, you know, it was, it was definitely radical. And our family was um, a secular family. We didn't have any religious um, aspects in our family life. And so that also made us quite different from the other homeschool community because at the time it was mostly folks that were um, homeschooling to, you know, have a particular um, family values and religious teachings as as part of their daily life. Right. So we were a little different, but it was good. We always found community. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I think we, because it has changed actually quite quickly as well. Now the, I guess, differences in homeschoolers are broader, but at one time it really was mainly religious homeschoolers that pushed the movement forward and unschoolers. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's, I think, for the ones that I know now that are either close to my age or a little bit younger, like you and I are close, I'm a couple years older than you, but for the ones that now they will talk about it and say, actually, my parents were more unschooled, like we more unschooled, but we just didn't want to say anything at the time yes. because it was frowned upon or looked at, you know, it was just, they, they almost felt not safe talking about it. That makes sense. We definitely saw that it was such a radical decision that, um, you know, even for homeschoolers, they thought it was, they were uncomfortable with the concept that your kids weren't sitting there doing school. And frankly, I think even my parents, my mom would have, would go through phases where she would get uncomfortable with how much we weren't, you know, can traditionally schooling and, you know, would think, oh, we better do this or we better do that. And it would last for like two weeks or something because it just really wasn't the right fit for our family. <laughs> so even within our family, there was that flip-flopping a little bit. Um, but we always ended up coming back to unschooling. It was just the right fit for us. So that brings a good point too, because I think that's something that it does come up for a lot of people, especially going into it as newbies or maybe not having much exposure to other unschoolers or knowing others is, you know, the feeling like, is this really, you know, 
can kids really learn this way? Am I doing the right thing? Should I be doing more schooly type stuff? Should I actually have them do this? Or they can do as much as they want of this. But on this stuff, I feel I still feel like I need to push this in. Uh, you know, and your mom and dad were really just, you know, yeah, it's in, they were learning from their experiences and going with what was right for you guys. So I want to ask, because I know a lot of, a lot of people ask the same questions and the beauty of it is that you are a grown unschooler. So there's so many things that people say, well, okay, we can unschool for the elementary years, but after that they need to do more traditional type school or, okay, so maybe they learned to read somehow, but what about things like math growing up? How did they get what they needed? Shouldn't they be doing a little bit more, um, trigonometry and calculus in order for them to get a good understanding of the world. What do you say about things like that? From your experience, what did you experience? So what I experienced is that it looked very different in my family for each one of us children because we had such different interests and different um, desires for our schooling and how what, what we were inspired to do and what we weren't inspired to do. So like I said, I have two brothers. One's just a little bit older than me. One's just a little bit younger than me. And we would, it all, it looked different for every single one of us. So for my younger brother, for example, he always enjoyed sitting down and doing some math worksheets. And my mom would surround us with, um, you know, great resources and some suggestions for if you felt like doing some math, maybe you'd like to do this chapter in this book or whatever. And my younger brother always enjoyed that. He he enjoyed the challenge. He liked memorizing things like multiplication tables. He thought it was really fun. I would have rather done a lot of things, including clean the whole kitchen, clean the whole house before I would have sat down to do some <laughs> math. And so that was, you know, something that I learned as I was older and my parents allowed me to just have that space and that time and tried to continue to encourage me to study things. But it was always from a perspective of, would I like to do this? Could I find value in this? Is there a reason why that's enjoyable to me? Um, And so when I was a teenager, I was super deficient in math compared to my, you know, age peers. However, I did get inspired to learn a little bit of math because I wanted to start at a college program when I was 16, and I had to be able to test into intermediate algebra. So my parents were able to invest in a tutor for me, and I went from like long division to intermediate algebra in a little less than a school year, just from doing just a few chapters a week in different books, or I guess I'd probably do like a grade a month was what I was doing. And it wasn't hard and it was easy to do when I didn't have the obstacle Mm -hmm. and that um, any negative thoughts built up about my ability to do math. It was just simple and easy when I had a reason to learn it. Um, The big thing that I would say is that it's okay to encourage your children to learn things. I think sometimes people, when they think of unschooling, they think that kids that you really can't do things like worksheets and you shouldn't do stuff like flashcards. And I think that's really missing the point. The point is that you should be doing things that um, your kids are excited to do. Mm -hmm. And if they're excited to sit down and do a bunch of worksheets, then you should support them in doing that. And that kids will learn things at the time that things are important to them to learn. And, um, they probably won't before that. Even if you sit them down and make them do the work, they're not going to learn and engage with it in a way that's actually helpful for them later in their life until they have a motiva- an internal motivation for it anyways. Right. So that's the big thesis that I observed growing up in it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting because one, I, I do hear that as well, is that unschooling is 
um, completely laissez-faire in everything. It's un-everything. So if you want to be a true unschooler, they can't do any classes. They can't have a teacher. They can't have a workbook when really it's meeting the child with their interests and supporting them on what they want to do and their curiosities and learning. So it can look like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know my daughter was like that or is, you know, she, one year she asked for, like, she specifically requested workbooks one year. And I was like, okay, if that's what you want, really what what you, you know, I was kind of thinking, oh no, you know, is this not good? You know, I, I think I started to question myself and thought, am I doing things right? Because now she's asking for workbooks, but it was what she wanted to do and she was happy doing them. (laughs) I think the misconception that we have that if we are going to be unschoolers, we can't do anything at all that looks like school, whether it's classes or workbooks or having teachers or whatever we think resembles it, when really it's about supporting our kids' interests. And that's the important part of it. And it can look like workbooks or a teacher or a class, what fits them best. So for my younger brother, it definitely looked like he enjoyed a lot of those studies. He enjoyed that learning in a traditional style. And I loved like spelling worksheets and writing worksheets. I loved that stuff, but not math. I still don't know my multiplication tables and I'm okay with it. (laughs) Yeah. And that's okay. You know, it's, uh, there's, um, like many math experts and mathematicians, Joe Bowler is one of them who talks about that learning math is actually not learning the multiplication tables. We've actually got that confused for many, many years. <laughs> it's about understanding how multiplication works, not about memorizing the multiplication tables. And I think you're just fine with that. <laughs> you've been, you've done well in your life. Yeah. And I've actually been able to do quite a bit of um, like money management stuff in you know, at high level, like executive positions or managing really large budgets. And I do understand how math and money works. And it's, um, it is something that has served me really well to understand the principles of things to be able to figure out how to learn how to do what I need to do. Right, right. Learning, learning how to do, yeah. And feeling independent and autonomous and being able to go out and learn. Yeah, absolutely. So I would also like to know, because um, we're talking about really what what many think as a could be a deficit to unschooling, but how it is a benefit, how it really has become a strength, a strength for you as well and and your siblings. What were you know what were some of the beautiful moments within those times of unschooling and just being with your family that you really felt were important and were connected to the, your family's choice around unschooling? I think a huge aspect of it was our family's connection to one another and our ability to, as individual children, be able to foster the things we were passionate about and to develop those skills and abilities. And oftentimes to be able to do that in partnership with one another. Um, My older brother, for an example, he was a musician and I was also a musician as a child and a singer. And we would spend hours and hours and days and weeks collaborating together because we just loved doing it. You know, we'd maybe be preparing for a performance somewhere or recording some music together. Um, But that ability to be together and to support one another in our interests and growth and um, to, as individuals, develop 
is um, just something that most young people don't get to do because they are required to stop working on their passion and do things that um, is expected of them. And that was not as big of a part of our childhood. We were really able to do things that we loved doing. Actually, a really excellent example of it is when we were sort of young, maybe young middle school, old elementary school age, my, um, we were all getting very interested in acting. And my mom actually found that there was an opportunity for us to audition to be extras in a movie that was being filmed on San Juan Island where we lived. And so, you know, she just woke us up the morning of the auditions like, hey, did you guys want to do this? And so we all went down and we auditioned and um, my mom and my two brothers and myself all got selected to be in Free Willy 2. And so we actually for seven weeks went every day, but Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And we were in a movie and, you know, if we had been in school and doing all those things, you know, my mom really would have had to second guess doing that and pulling us out of school for, you know, a long time, almost two months. And instead we just, we just got to go and film a movie for the springtime. And that's a huge experience that most people don't, you know, get to do in their lives. Yeah, that is. That's a great experience and a lot of fun too. It's interesting because I actually find that a lot in the film industry and music and industry, maybe they, you know, don't say it as much, but are homeschoolers or unschoolers because it affords them the time to dive into their love of that artistic endeavor. And uh, they forget that, you know, I think many forget that really a lot of those times would otherwise be just spent sitting in school, but you need that free time to do that. I think that's wonderful. I watched Free Willy 1 and 2 when I was younger. Uh, will I be able to see you somewhere in the movie? <laughs> you actually can see me and my older brother for like, I don't know, like three seconds, maybe four seconds in this large crowd scene on the beach. Um, but <laughs> we filmed, it's amazing. We filmed every day for months and months and months. And my younger brother, he was even a stand-in for one of the um, main characters. And he, you know, earned so much money and worked so hard. And he's not even in the movie <laughs> at all. It's amazing how kind of the waste that goes into how many scenes they shoot. Yeah, no doubt. Wow. Yeah, my brother was in, he was, when we lived in Australia for a little while and my brother was working, he was in extras and, you know, he had that kind of as an extra side job Then ended up being more of his full-time job. But yeah, I remember him being on set one time and he was there for like, I think over 12 hours a day, it seemed like for two weeks straight. And in the end for that particular scene, you know, he, you see them for a couple seconds kind of thing. And then that was it. It was over. And then I think he was in another part, but they were there so much. You, I thought he was going to be all throughout the movie. Oh, yes. And it definitely, um, those sort of experiences allow, of actually like getting to go do the work that you may, were feeling inspired to do and actually seeing what it's really like to be an actor on a movie set. Um, it really made me decide, I don't think this is going to be for me. And I got to figure that out at like 10 or maybe I was 11. I think I was 10. I got to figure that at 10 years old that it's like, yeah, no, I, this is not for me. This is really hard work. And they are 12 or 14 hour days and it's cold and you're, you know, like outside. And I, um, it was an amazing gift to get to do that. And then also get to see so early, this is not, the dream thing that you think it might be to be in movies. It's a lot of hard work. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. You get the chance to really test things out and understand what fits and what doesn't instead of fumbling our way as adults for a while and taking the years and then trying something new. Yeah, that's a big that's a big thing because I couldn't think of the many things I fumbled around in before I, I got a chance to experience them and understand that, no, this isn't for me. You know, I thought it was this, but really it's this and it's time for me to move on to something else. Yes. So, so I, I also wanted to know that, um, were there times where even looking back now and reflecting on your time growing up unschooling, were there some things that you maybe, or even now as an unschooling mom that you think, you know what, I might've done that a little bit differently, or I came up against this and, um, it was actually pretty tough and this is how we overcame it. Or this is how I now as an adult would overcome it, um, if I could go back? I think um, the things that, you know, for the most part, I think that my parents did like this absolutely amazing job, especially from the backgrounds they had and what, um, you know, what they were working with and their, like their skills and abilities and having no models to go off of. I mean, my mom said recently that her models that she would have to go with were like thinking about, you know, like the founding fathers and like Abraham Lincoln, that they didn't go to school and that they turned out okay. And she'd have to go to those, you know, like that far back to think about it. Um, But definitely some things that I would look back at are um, around just like that I'm doing differently is just different parenting choices overall, because the unschooling wasn't necessarily like throughout all of our parenting relationships with my parents. It was definitely more like the way we did our academics and they did give us a ton of freedom, but there was still a lot of more like control-based parenting that was still so radical from the way that they had been raised, but something that I'm doing really differently with my son. That's my new learning curve is more of the gentle parenting approach to things. And I do think that there were times when my parents were um, wanting us to do certain things because they thought that it would be a benefit to us. And, um, and I'm excited for trying that differently with my son and trying to really bring all of the unschooling philosophy into all of our relationship as well. And that's going to be really great. Um, I think that my family did sort of, um, for the most part, choose to be separate from schooling and because of that, I think we could have used more skills with how to engage in those, um, like when we would go to a classroom in like the middle school time frame and begin to do that work, I think we could have used more coaching and support. I think that like my parents were just expected like, yeah, well, it's really sucks to be in an environment like that. So that's just kind of what it's like <laughs> as opposed to being able to help us like figure out like, well, if you want to enjoy this experience, there's some things that come with that and let, you know, you have and be able to coach us through like that instead of just being like, yep, it's like, it's kind of sucks there. You got to opt out or, or, um, or deal with it. Um, and so there was, I feel like, um, we could have used more of that coaching and I'm excited to help my son with more of that coaching as well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Hard to describe. No, that makes complete sense. I really get it. It's kind of like helping you manage and prepare for, yeah, the, especially in a school setting, how things are quite different, but there are ways and tools that you can use to, you know, have whether take what you can from it, enjoy it at, or, um, advocate for yourself as well and how to do that in a way that would work better. Um, yeah, I, I know I get that. That's very, very clear. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and we were actually quite successful in all those environments, but I just remember feeling like it was hard to adjust to rules and structure and raising your hand to use the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> so weird for me. Yeah. 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 That's right. That, that is the one thing that I, when I look back and I, you know, speaking with my kids too, it's one, you know, just remember to, you do have to ask to go to the bathroom. You can't just get up and go. And it seems really weird and strange saying that, right? That you, a basic bodily function for your health and well-being that you have to ask permission to do. Yeah. And be granted it. Like someone could literally say no to you. Well, please wait till the break. Yeah. And it's like, I would like a drink of water right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. It's, yeah, it's interesting. This, and it's, yeah, I, I, I get it. I understand. <laughs> so, so then as well, I think, you know, this is probably a good way to, as we go along your journey and as you're getting older, you know, you, uh, your, you and your brothers were taking a few classes at the school for things that supported you. I know you uh, are very, singing was a big part of your life, a very important part of your life. And you pursued that as well. You had a lot of time to pursue it. And you said your brother was a musician, musician as well. Um, so as you're going, as you become an adult, how, you know, because this is also another question, how do unschoolers cope with the world when they become adults and they're no longer unschooling? How do they, when other people have grown up in school with a certain structure and schedule and expectations that unschoolers never really had to live by, how did you meet in those two worlds once you were an adult and on your own? So I actually find that, the unschoolers that I knew, which is you know, not that many, you know, 10 or so growing up, um, all of their transitions to adulthood were incredibly successful. You know, I say that with air quotes um, because they met all of the boxes for, you know, relationships and employment and um, housing that was, you know, um, considered, I don't know, good housing, <laughs> you know, all this stuff that makes you have like the markers for like not living at home with your parents or whatever right. the situation yeah. might be to make you seem like a successful adult. And I think a lot of that actually comes from the fact that they already have had a life that's self-directed. When I went away to college, I started at a community college and then I went away when I was 20 to a university and lived on campus. And I remember watching all of these 18-year-olds show up to school and have no concept of how to manage themselves when someone didn't tell them what to do, when there wasn't an expectation put on them. And the same thing when I started working in the workplace, I would see people that if if they weren't given a very, very clear box of how to get done the thing that needed to get done, but were given a more creative project or an amorphous project or something that didn't have a, a clear timeline or that they needed to actually create the, the objectives themselves um, and get those you know, shopped around and make sure that everyone else could buy into them and, and really figure out what needed to be accomplished and when and, and how, they would struggle deeply with that. And... Um, Yet people that I knew that were unschooled, including myself, excelled in those areas of knowing how to spend your time, knowing how to um, accomplish an amorphous activity without a lot of goals um, defined for you, but where you needed to define it for yourself. And um, that's been true for me and true for other unschoolers that I've met as well. Mm. 
Right, right. Yeah, the autonomy, absolutely, the self-direction. I remember, I think yeah. you, prob- you probably were in the room, in the clubhouse room, and um, I think it was Sonia, I think her name is Sonia Rao, I think, and she had talked about, she homeschools now, but she had talked about going to university with unschoolers and homeschoolers and the difference that she saw in them compared to other classmates. And that mm-hmm. was a big thing that stood out for her is that they had already had time doing the things that they really wanted to focus on and do and they knew what they wanted to do when they got there and therefore uh, nobody had to lay that path out for them or tell them okay next is this is for you here and then this is for you here they were already self-motivated and very self-driven and um, felt complete in their autonomy to do so and it was a she she said it was noticeable for her I remember that uh, that comment Yes, I remember her saying that as well. And um, it did make me think back on even when I transferred to university, there were a lot of um, homeschoolers that I knew from there as well. And you did get to see that they were, it's like the difference between being told exactly what you need to do to get the A in life, (laughs) I would say, and just knowing for yourself what it means to get the A and and what that means. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And I see that. I see that. And I I mean, maybe for you as well, you can talk a little bit about it because I think of it because you're an entrepreneur as well. And I think that's a big thing for as for a business owner, you the self motivation and the um, personal autonomy is a big factor in running a business. And, And I know you've you've had, this is your, probably your second or third business that you're doing right now. I think that's a huge plus and asset for that because that A is not a boss telling you that you have to get a, you know, a certain quota or to meet a certain standard. It's completely on your own in that way. It's, you know, you, your, you know, quote unquote quota or your, your targets are really for you to set, to want, to meet and, um, I guess you could compare it to other things, but really, again, it's that self-drive uh, and self-autonomy. That is totally true. And it's um, I'm really fortunate because not only did I have this unschooling background, but when I started out of college, I found myself in a new career that I really didn't have any experience in, which was management consulting. And it sort of fell to me in all sorts of um bizarre ways. It's a hilarious story that I can tell sometime. But um, I started in this position consulting for this small company on a really large government project. It was Medicaid. It was IT. I knew nothing about any of it. Um, And I was asked to be a support person on this project. And I just... um, just got started. And I just put my head down and I just learned and learned and learned. And that was a very entrepreneurial environment. And the boss that I had at that consulting firm and the coworkers and colleagues that I had at that consulting firm helped me continue to develop that skill of independent goal setting and working independently um, in those amorphous environments. And so throughout my 20s, I was able to keep honing that as an, and being mentored for that. Um, and so I was able to translate that easily to, you know, consulting with my own firm as an individual and then, um, coaching and I owned a restaurant for a little while. Um, and then also, um, yeah, now this breakfast sandwich work that I do as well, the wholesale 
vegan food. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I do have a personal question for you because I know you also devote yeah, a lot of, of time to music and, and singing. So how, like, what was the change? Did you, was it looking for something new and a different desire that you wanted to have? How, what was the transition for you? Because, because you did focus on music in the beginning, right? And then you went on to get your master's in, was it public policy or uh, remind me again now? Yeah, so I have a master's degree in public administration, public and nonprofit administration. So I actually got that later after I had started um, working in government consulting for a little while and wanted to really know more about it and really be able to support my clients even better. So I went and got a master's degree in basically their disciplines so that I could really understand um, how to make an impact and help them to the best of my ability. So um, I was... Um, starting at the university when I was 20 years old. And I really knew at that point that I was not interested in a life of a professional singer. I had done enough of being in shows and traveling around in the summer and places to, to get that part um, and stay somewhere out living out of my suitcase for the summer and all of that as a young as a young adult, as a you know teenager, um, and again, this is one of those gifts of being able to do things when you're young and have full experiences like that. And I had done enough of it to know that I did not want the lifestyle of a performer. I was doing uh, musical theater and opera. And the ideal scenario for that is that you're like booked out for two years ahead of time at all sorts of different locations all over the world doing different shows and living out of a suitcase. And I just, I knew that was not what I wanted. I'm way more of a homebody than that. And so I when I actually started at the university, I was looking at things like maybe arts administration, um, like to help run an opera company, or um, I was looking at things like music librarian work, stuff like that, that allowed me to still be around music and love music, but I wasn't really interested in doing that. So already I had been shifting towards um, administration and management of things. I got married when I was 21, but right before I started my senior year of college, I married my uh, boyfriend who'd been my boyfriend since I was 17. And so we um, started our life together and he supported me through my whole senior year of college and took great care of me in that way and was the one out making money. And I really wanted to, when we settled back in Washington, I wanted to allow him to work on some of the things he wanted to do. And he wanted to get into construction and designing and building homes. And so we moved to an area that he grew up in and I wanted, my only goal was I was going to get a job that was going to give us health insurance and was going to pay me enough so that he didn't have to make very much money. That was my goal. And so this um, consulting gig landed in my lap and I thought, oh, well, that sounds nice. And I did actively make the decision for myself that I was going to live a life without singing professionally for a while and see how that felt Mm -hmm. and see if that was okay for me. And I really was allowing that to see, what does this feel like? Is this something that that I will enjoy or is it something that I'll miss? And I always give myself the opportunity, you know, emotionally that I could go back to doing that and pursue that passion if that's something I needed in my life. But I was pretty sure I didn't need it. And it turned out that I didn't need it. You know, I didn't need it in that way. Now I do need it um, for myself. 
So I, it's a huge marker for me. If I'm not singing regularly, I can tell like my mental health starts to suffer or I'll, I'll be more irritable or not as motivated to do the other things that I want to do and love doing if I'm not singing regularly. So it's a huge marker for me about how my life is going well or not, (laughs) if I'm singing or not. But, um, but for me, I already was feeling that feeling of like, yeah, I'm not living out of a suitcase and I was enjoying, I was ready for a new challenge. That's the other way to think about it is like, I had done that since I was 11 years old. It was like my primary thing. Mm -hmm. And so by 22, 21, I wanted a new challenge and I found that and I did something new that I really loved being good at something different. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was a cool thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you still had that creative love and skill that, like you said, it's your, it's your bomb for your soul right now. It's your, it's your like support for mental wellness and you, you know where you're at when you have or haven't been singing. So yeah. But at the same time, you've almost had the full career already because you started so early. I certainly explored it really fully. You know, I felt it fully and I felt what it would be like to have it be my career um, enough for me to, you know, to sort of, um, to be... To be satisfied. Yeah, to be satisfied from it. Exactly. And my husband is also a singer and that's how we met was in music together and performance together. So there's still a huge, because of that relationship, there's still a huge aspect of that in my life because it just sort of is who we are as a family. Right. Was he unschooled or homeschooled as well? He was not. He um, went from kindergarten to 12th grade in public school. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how is his, like, so the choice to be unschooling parents now then, how is that for him? Is it a bit of an adjustment? Does he know enough of, of, of your family and you growing up and what it was like to, you know, what is, how is it for him? I guess I just really want to ask. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've known each other for 21, 22 years now. So he's, um, you know, we met when he was 19 and I was um, 17, 16, 17 when we met. And so he, um, he's had a long time to get used to this concept of, you know, raising a kid like a weird unschooler. (laughs) And um, so when we first met and we're first, you know, um, in a relationship and the conversations about homeschooling and he thought it was all just very weird and just like really not an okay thing. And like kids should go to school yet. So many of his close friends at that time, like me and like other friends that we were going to school with were homeschoolers or unschoolers. And he seemed to think they were just fine. So it took him a little while to um, balance those two things out with like, I guess maybe like his entrenched sort of like um, prejudice or thoughts about unschooling or homeschooling not being a good thing. And then what he was actually observing um, in his relationships that he had with homeschoolers and unschoolers. So, you know, we've been together for a long time and our son is only four. He'll be four next week. So he had a long time for to think about it and have conversations and uh, watch. We've, you know, watched friends raise kids and seen, um, you know, different paths that they've taken. And so at this point, he is really committed um, to unschooling and, or at least, you know, alternate um, individualized education for our son and unschooling to him seems like amazing. He also didn't have a great experience in public schools. So as he's got a little bit of distance from that, and um, he was really able to see that he had some learning disabilities and really struggled with, um, with, 
success, you know, conventional success in the classroom, even though he always was, did really great socially at school um, and seemed to enjoy school, but like the academics were always really challenging for him. And he's real, he's realized as an adult that, um, you know, his life could have been really different if he hadn't been put in that environment where he needed to fit a certain mold. So he's really gotten on board with it and he's really excited, um, excited for it. Right, right. Yeah. And he's got well, through you, there's great many years of great experience as well and understanding, which is which is wonderful. So I would like to ask, as we're going into our time here too, that how would you, because I, I know this would be something that so many that are listening appreciate, because of your experience growing up as an unschooler and choosing to unschool now, your family's choosing to be, you're, you're going to be unschooling parents. You know, if you could offer any advice to a, a new parent that's looking at unschooling and that say maybe it's like your husband. They've they've had experience in the public system all their life and now they look at it from, you know, from reflecting back and saying, okay, those are here's some things I would do differently. You know, I this wasn't maybe my to my advantage. These are other ways that I could have done this instead. But you know, everybody I know goes to school and this is the expectation or, you know, what about when they're older and I, you know, I, my kids are talking about wanting to do this. How will I be able to support them in reaching that at the end? What advice would you have to a parent is just, you know, who understands it, but feels uncertain, you know, they still have that fear there. I think my biggest piece of advice would be for them to understand that even though childhood is short, you know, I've gotten to see already several friends raise their kids and have them, you know, get graduated from high school and all of that. Even though childhood seems short, it's actually really long. And um, there's a lot of a lot of opportunity to try things and to try different things and to fix things that maybe don't go well or don't go the way you needed them to. Um, and so don't be scared to try. And if you're feeling called that it's time to do something different with your kids, to try it and to know that nothing is forever, nothing has to be forever, and you don't have to know how to do the step, the later steps. You just have to be able to know how to do the step right in front of you. And then you'll figure out the next one and you'll figure out the next one. So you can trust in yourself and you can trust in your kid and you can know that you guys will navigate it together. Um, another huge piece is that I think a lot of parents believe that they have to personally educate their children, as in they are going to like hold the knowledge and then bestow it upon kids. And that's super overwhelming because most of us don't have that much subject-based knowledge, right? Um, and so that's really overwhelming for them to think. And we think of teachers as being these people that have subject-based knowledge. It's like a wealth of it. And that's not your job as a homeschool parent. Your job is to support in, uh, their learning. Even as a homeschool rather than unschool parent, it's to support their learning. And you're capable of that. Every, any grown-up that is committed to that is capable of that. Um, and so that's a, another really important factor to remember is that you're not the you don't hold the knowledge. Um, you are the facilitator of your children learning that information. Um, yeah, I think those are kind of the, the really important factors. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. That's great advice. And that's absolutely true. I think going into home educating or unschooling is that 
uh, or leaving leaving the classroom, I guess you could say, and, and however you choose to do it, is that you feel like all of a sudden you're the teacher. Because that is a question. How am I going to teach my kids this? That you are the primary educator and that you have to know everything. And like you said, you said, you know, knowing what's in front of you right now, not trying to plan for everything down the road, but just taking it day by day and knowing, doing what's right in front of you right now. I think that's a huge piece of, of advice. Thank you so much for saying that. It makes it really clear and understandable. And I do have one more now that I think about it. And the last one is that- Yes, share it. <laughs> you need to start getting comfortable with being weird. And um, and and why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Face whatever your demons are about being different, about being singled out, about people noticing you, about people um, being curious about you and how you do things. Because when you are making any untraditional choice, I mean, I coach moms about vegan plant-based eating as well, right? So when you're making any untraditional choice, people are... Um, you're going to have some attention put at you. And it's not always positive, but it's usually just people being curious. And that's deeply uncomfortable for so many people for so many reasons. I mean, so many friends with stories of, you know, just trying to not be called on at school. And so literally doing whatever they can to just be not noticeable, and like just like everyone else and not stand out. And when you make a radical choice um, or a very different choice, then you stand out. And that's something that everyone that, you know, wants to live their own authentic life, design their own life. Um, you got to be willing to just be a little bit weird and start getting comfortable with that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. You know, I think, well, you and I talked a little bit about this earlier <laughs> on another mm -hmm. conversa conversation. And as one of those things, it's like, so do you think then that unschoolers are just kind of naturally inclined that way? A large amount of unschoolers are just, you know, just want to go against the grain, have to, I had, you know, I had a friend said to me one time, like, oh, Robin, you always just have to do things differently, don't you? <laughs> and it was almost kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's not, it's, we're, we kind of expect it because, you know, but are there, are there unschoolers who just in the end learn to be more comfortable in that different skin or do we already have to be a bit odd? I don't even want to say odd, but you know what I mean, right? Away from yeah. the normalcy, the norm. I would say that I do believe that most vocal unschoolers, most people that talk about being unschoolers are pretty comfortable with being different in that way. But I think there's a huge category of people that kind of like you were mentioning before, they're kind of closet unschoolers, right? They're homeschoolers, yeah. but they actually do what works for them. It's like, it reminds me of the bed sharing conversation with, with babies or, you know, most people report that, yeah. you know, they would, they would never share a bed with their baby, but their whole family ends up by the end of the night, they're all in the same bed every night, no matter yeah. what, every night. <laughs> and they do it because it's what feels right for their family for real, but they actually don't tell their friends, they don't tell their doctor because they don't want to be seen as different in that way. And so I think there's a ton of parents and families that are kind of closet unschoolers in that way, but don't really want to shout it from the rooftops. Um, so yeah, I think that you do kind of have to be willing in some ways to be a little bit different. I, I feel that's the case for my parents, for sure. My parents never um, minded being people that were doing things differently. And I think that that's, that was huge for them. 
um, and pay, definitely paves the way for other folks. And it doesn't have to be so different for those after those few people yeah. step out. Yeah, that's right. I think, and that's the shift that's happening is so many mm-hmm. more are finding this path and it's like the herd, the herd in that way, the herd, you know, being with the crowd where you're not the sole or only person anymore. There's a lot more. And I think connectivity, you know, internet and the globe being smaller because of that has helped a lot more people connect and say, oh, we're here, I'm over here, you know, here, here's more community. Maybe we're not right beside each other, but we can still connect and be community together. So you're not alone. Yeah, absolutely. That is huge for so many people. And it's, I think it's also really okay for people to not want to be different in that way and not to feel alone. And um, I think that, you know, in America, particularly, you know, in the United States, we have this thought of, you know, it's, it's good to be rugged and individual and different from the pack, but it's also okay to desire community and to want to be part of something. And I think that's why so many more people are being called to homeschooling and unschooling now, because they can see that they will have community and, and acceptance Mm. still. And um, I'm excited for that happening now. Yeah. Yeah. I am too. I'm very excited. (laughs) I think there's just so much happening right now that is good too. You know, it's, and that is moving forward and and shifting. So yeah, I'm excited for it as well. I got to meet you. And I think that's one of the great things is that because the community is expanding and opening arms and, and growing, but being able to be connected, it's, you know, getting more of us together. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely a, a real buzz that you can feel right now about these topics. And um, I'm really enjoying getting to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I would also love for you to share more about, because you are a vegan coach, you coach parents to, um, to be better organized, to to be really in the flow, I think, right, uh, with their families and how to embrace uh, vegan living and, and the lifestyle. So could you tell me more about your business endeavors right now? And for those of us that want to connect with you and find out more, how can we do that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I have been vegetarian since you know my whole adult life and then um, vegan for um, much of it for the last 10 years years or so. And before I was a parent, I would just make the most elaborate food and hours and hours. And I love to cook. And it was just this constant thing. Um, And when I became a parent, it was just like suddenly not possible anymore. (laughs) And I was overwhelmed with how I was going to be able to like still eat and like eat the way that was important to us and met our values and not have like a trash kitchen all the time and, and all of the above. And, um, and also in that time frame, you know, that's when like vlogs became like super popular and so many people are excited about plant-based eating and they go to YouTube and they Google like plant-based family. And the only thing that comes up is like the most beautiful family vlogs. You know, they're in Hawaii. There's mangoes on the counter. The breeze is blowing. The kids are suntanned. You know, it's like the house is minimalist. They're not in Northern Alberta, Canada. Yeah. No, they are not. And there's no dirty laundry anywhere in the whole house. And um, and so for me, I felt really strongly about like, as I began to figure out these really like lifestyle hacks, of how to make plant-based eating really easy, how to make it practical, how to not spend your whole life in the kitchen, how to do, you know, other home management things that um, 
made you get that freedom that I just felt like it was really time for me to start sharing that with people. And I've been doing um, lifestyle and food coaching for years on and off. Um, And so, but never really seriously, it's always just been a little part-time thing. And so I really have been excited as I've been launching this new thing to be coaching one-on-one, usually with moms. Um, I have some group programs as well sometimes, but it's usually one-on-one coaching with people to really help them figure out, okay, what are their family needs? What are their family's pain points? And how can we help them get healthy dinner on the table every night without losing their minds? Um, and then as part of that, I also just launched a YouTube channel. Like when I say just launched, I mean like just launched, there's like five videos, four videos or something like that. Um, and that's on YouTube. It's just my name, Liana Francisco. Um, and people can also learn more about me at my website, which is lianafrancisco.com. And, um, yeah, it's been a really fun journey, like meeting moms in this other capacity as well. Yeah. Yeah, it would be as well. And I, and I know because I hear you speak to unschooling and helping unschoolers and you have a great way about you to just really feel comfortable and open and, you know, inviting to ask questions and to learn more. So I can imagine how well you support everyone that comes into contact with you. Mm, Thank you. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. I'm going to add uh, Liana's YouTube and website to the show notes. So if you're listening to this and you can just go to the show notes and click on that. So that'll be on there and we can, your new YouTube channel, we can help it grow and watch more videos. I think that's fantastic. It's something new that we're entering. So that's fun. That's wonderful. So that will be included in the show notes. If you want to find more about Liana and connect with her, that will be there. And um, yeah, I mean, I think the end, the last thing I wanted to ask you was, is any advice you'd like to leave, but really you gave so much value and so many interesting pieces of experience and information that you have. But is there one last thing that you would like to add or say? I think the only thing is just to live in the moment with your family. Like that is the thing, right? It's if we do that, if we stay present in the moment, I mean, I had that even just just this morning trying to rush out of the house and get ready to do this and get my brother so he could come here and take care of my son. And and I was just like, slow down, enjoy mm. the moment, kiss your kid. It's okay. Like the, that extra 20 seconds won't make a difference. And um, when we do that, our lives just become so much better. And particularly as homeschooling, unschooling families, like that feeling of pressure can really um, add up over time. So when we notice that everything's fine right now, then um, our lives get a lot better. Mm, True. That's right. Taking the time to pause and appreciate. That's right. Everything is fine right now. Well, thank you so much, Liana. I am so happy that we got to spend the time and I'm excited for everyone to hear this. I appreciate you taking the time to be with me today. Of course. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this podcast. It's such an amazing service and I've really enjoyed it as a listener as well. Awesome. Thank you. I, yeah, it's been my creative enjoyment as well.